0: Welcome to this series from Resurrection Life Church in Granville, Michigan. All right, we're in a series on destiny. Fight for it. Again, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. I fought a good fight. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. Now, what happened last week is the message, I, I did something on Saturday that I didn't do on Sunday. And I did something on Sunday that I didn't do on Saturday. Right? You caught that, right? So you, those of you that... that Got what we got, gave on Sunday, didn't get what we gave on Saturday, so I'm going to give you some of what we gave on Saturday, and then we'll get into some new stuff. Everybody follow that? All right, very good. So I fought a good fight. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. So your Christian living is always going to be a fight. Once you say you are in the fight. He says, fight the good fight. Don't quit the fight. Don't drop out of the race and always keep the faith. You know, the, the Olympics, which we celebrate today, really go all the way back to ancient Greece. And there's a lot of events that even in ancient Greece that they have that we have today. But there's one particular event that they had in the ancient Olympics that they no longer have, which it was called the torch race. And like a marathon, it was a distance run. But the difference was the first person to cross the finish line did not necessarily win. Because at the start, every contestant is given a torch, and it's lit. And they have to finish with the torch still lit. So if they go too fast, they can can be the fastest runner. But if that torch dies, they do not win. Now, here's what that is. That reminds me a lot of the Christian life. Because as we go through the Christian life, we're running a race. But we need to run fast, but we need to run at a pace where we keep the fire for the things of God, for the kingdom of God, for the love of God on the inside of us burning brightly, right? Anything that could distract to where that that burning light is extinguished it could, it could be career, it could be a hobby, it could be a person, it could be fame, it can be the love of money. Jesus mentioned that it can be tribulation, problems. He mentioned the desire for other things. But anything that extinguishes that, that fire that you got on the inside of you, that, that is the thing that you need to avoid. You need, you need to keep your torch lit. You need to stay excited, plugged in to God and to the things of God. Now, as you go through life, you you go through at different levels. Now, it says in Romans chapter 1, it says that we go from faith to faith. So what that means is this, that the faith that you start with is not enough to take you all the way through. And the reason for that is because saving faith is saving faith. But there's another faith to be used by God. There's another faith to become a giver. There's another faith in resisting the devil. Every time that we keep growing in God, our faith needs to keep growing. So the Bible says you go from faith to, you go from faith to faith. Your faith needs to keep growing. And, and really, you live life on levels, and you arrive in stages. You live life on levels. you arrive in stages. Let me give the example of King David. King David is about 15 years old. He's a shepherd right? Samuel the prophet comes and anoints him to become king, right? That's his ultimate destiny. That's where he's going to go. But for a while yet, he's still just a shepherd. Then after he kills Goliath, he becomes a military officer, and he's there for several years. Then he spends 10 years running from King Saul, who's trying to kill him every day, right? So he's already had three different things. Then when he's 30 years old, he becomes king of Judah. And when he's 37 years old, he becomes king of all of Israel. There were really five different levels or stages in his life. It's true about David, but it's true about you, and it's true about me. Now, here's what we tend to think we tend to think that when I just get to the next level, it's gonna get easy. Listen to me new level, new devil right? As as sure as you move to the next level, there's going to be a new devil. There's going to be new problems, new difficulties, new situations, new giants, new mountains that are in front of you. In fact, just look at David's life. How many realize every level had problems? Every level had obstacles. And the same thing is true in your life and in my life. And we have got to get in our heads and get in our hearts that the Christian life is not for some milk toast. The Christian life is fighting the good fight. You fight from the womb to the tomb. As long as you're a Christian, you're going to be inside of a battle. It's in Ecclesiastes eight and eight. It says, "And there is no release from that war." In other words, you can't get. You just can't say, "Well, I just quit." You do, and the devil will have you for lunch. Be sober. Be vigilant. Your adversary goes about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. All right, now here's the part that they got last night that you didn't get, or they got on Saturday last week that you guys did not get. All right, I want to talk to you a minute about the power of association when it comes to your destiny. Proverbs 6, verse 23. For the commandment is a lamp, the law is light, the reproof of instruction are the way of life to keep you from, to keep you from. And then it mentions here the evil woman. How many of you know there's some evil men around too? Just as many, all right? Now, here's what it's saying. It's saying God gives you the wisdom of his word, the commandment, the law, to keep you from certain people. There are cert- you see, one of the greatest things you can ever give anybody is access into your life. Proverbs 13, verse 20. He who walks with wise men will be a companion of fools will be Destroyed. Why? Because of your associations. They can either lift you or they can take you down. 1 Corinthians 15, 33, Don't be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits or good morals. Here's what happens. When, 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 when God wants to bless you, one of God's premier strategies in blessing you is to send somebody into your life, to encourage you, to strengthen you, to, to help you, to encourage you, fulfilling your destiny. But when the devil wants to mess with you, one of the things that the devil does is he sends somebody into your life to introduce compromise, to get you to doubt, to move you in the wrong direction. Now, whether it's a blessing or a curse, it comes wrapped in skin. All right? So we need to look who's, who am I, who's around me. All right? Again, access to your life is a great, great gift. People can come, and they can encourage you. They can challenge you. They can help build you up. They can encourage you in a godly way, help you fulfill your destiny. But at the same time, other people can come, and with them, they've got no discipline. They have an anything-goes attitude. They're lax. Uh, they, they introduce compromise into your life. Now, God speaks to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, All right, And in the first verse, this is what God says to Abraham. Now, by the way, the second and the third verses, if they're not underlined in your Bible, they need to be, those are the two most important verses in the entire Old Testament, right? And you can't understand what God's doing today without understanding Genesis 12, 2, and 3. But this is the first verse. This is what comes before that. Now, the Lord had said to Abraham, get out of your country from your family, from your father's house to a land I'll show you. So God says, I want you to leave home, Ur of the Chaldees, wonderful, wonderful city, probably at that time the, the most advanced city in the world. We know they, they, had, they had underground plumbing, 2000 B.C., right? This was a great place to live. God says, hey, get out of there. I'm going to show you someplace. Go live in a tent. And don't break anybody with you. So what does he do? He takes his dad, he takes his nephew, Lot, and Lot's family. Right? Now, what happened was this. Lot brought strife. He brought an emphasis on wrong priorities. He brought compromise with him. So finally, the day comes when Abraham recognizes this. He says, look, let, let the, the, we can't have strife. He says, you go that way, I'll go the other. And he separates from him. And the Bible says, and the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, lift up your eyes now and look to the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, westward, And all the land that you see I will give to you and your descendants forever. Immediately, once he separated from Lot, God began to speak to Abram about his destiny, about his purpose. But it didn't happen until he separated from Abraham, excuse me, from from Lot. He got that strife and that compromise and that wrong priorities out of his life. And then immediately, just a couple verses down, it says, and he built an altar there to the Lord. An altar was a place of dedication, a place of consecration, a place of, of f- enrichment of your faith. And when did it happen? It happened once he separated from Lot. You know, sometimes there's people in our lives, and we want to help them. We want them to change. The problem is they don't want help, and they don't want to change. They're happy the way that they are. All right? They're so dysfunctional, they belong on that Jerry Springer's bro that used to be on, you know? They're just, they are an absolute mess. All right? they, They are just low level relationships and they're easy. There's no accountability, there's no challenge, anything goes. All right? They're moving in a different direction. They're bringing compromise, they're bringing worldliness into the relationship, and you need to get out of that relationship. to be in a right relationship with somebody, they really have to have a spiritual vision of who God has called you to be and what God's called you to do. Second Corinthians 5 verse 16, therefore from no one we regard or know no one after the flesh. He's saying we don't look at people's past and we don't look at how they failed. And we don't look at their genealogy and we don't look where they live. And we don't, we don't look at their life to determine what God's going to do with them. Because the next verse says, if anyone's in Christ, they are a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I remember when Jeannie and I came back from Mexico. We lived there for seven years. And we moved back. And as my mother said to me, she said, why don't you go someplace else? Because nobody wants you here. We, we, we had different churches around the country trying to get us to come and pastor, but there were none here. But I felt God told us to come here. But, but we got here, and one of the leaders of the church that I was attending, that I had been attending since I got saved seven years before, uh, he said, hey, I want to take you out to lunch. I said, great. So we met at Mr. Steak on 28th Street. You know, it's a long time ago. We're, we're, we're sitting there. I'm having a cattleman's cut, medium well, with lots of ketchup. You know I like ketchup. I cannot tell you how many of you have given me that shirt. I put ketchup on my ketchup. I've got, st- got a stack of them. All right. but, but we're sitting there. And he said, well, what are you going to do now that you're back from the mission field? I said, well, I, I believe God has called us to pastor a church. And he said, you? Pastor? He said, you have got to be kidding he says, you are a missionary. You need to get back to Mexico. That's where you belong. He says, you could not stay in one place for six months if it meant your life. Pastor, you couldn't. And, and we're sitting in Mr. Steak. His face is red. His veins are sticking out. And he's getting louder and louder. And literally, I am like getting lower. I'm like want to hide underneath, you know, that, 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 that desk there, that, that table. There are people that will encourage you in what God has called you to do. But there are other people who will discourage you in what God has called you to do, all right? Now, you need to get around the right people. All of us, we need to connect ourselves, reach up to greatness. If you are the smartest person that you know, you are in trouble, all right? And if you're hanging around with a bunch of Jonas, all right? Negative, do nothing, believe nothing, no accountability. If, if all the Jonas think you're cool, it does not count. It doesn't matter. All right. We need to reach up to greatness. We need to connect and surround ourselves with the right people. All right? Because they're going to either lift you and help you reach your purpose and your destiny, or they're going to pull you down. See, you have a destiny, and you've got no time for the devil. You've got no time for Jonas. You've got no time for a low life. You've been called by God to fulfill a purpose and a destiny. Now, I'm going to say this right now, and I'll probably say it again. If you do not know what your purpose is, you need to ask God. The Bible says he will give you the desires of your heart. That is not talking about a house, a, a boat, a vacation, or a car. That's talking about God showing you putting inside you the purpose, the destiny that God has for you. And we need to be very careful not to limit God. In Ephesians, it says that he can do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you could ask or think. How many of you have got a pretty good imagination? The Bible says that what God can do is exceedingly, abundantly, beyond all you could either ask or think. What God is going to put in your heart, it's bigger than you are. It will keep you awake, and it will motivate you. But listen, vision, dreams, they're like children. When children are young, how many of you know they cannot do anything? And it was Friday night. I had one of my grandsons. He's just a couple months old, and I'm looking at, I'm looking at this little guy, and I'm thinking, man, uh, we got to be careful not to drop you because if we drop you right now, we could really hurt you. All right. Now, by the way, when they're 20, you can drop them. It doesn't matter. But when they're little, it makes a big, big difference. You know, when your children are little, they need to be protected. You need to feed them. You need to encourage them. You need to pray for them. You need to do everything for them. And that's what a dream is like. When it's young, it's fragile. All right. You need to protect it. You need to feed it. You need to encourage it. You need to pray about it. You need to stay motivated. All right. And listen, as long as you have a dream, you're never old. You see, when, when all you do is look at the past, you're old, about how it used to be, all right? When you, be, you become a museum keeper, right? But, but when you've got a dream, you're a pioneer. You're looking ahead, and you're moving towards new ground, no matter how old you are. Now, Joseph is 17 years old, the Bible says, and he has a dream. And in his dream, he sees a, a field that's been harvested, and there's sheaves of wheat, and there's his sheath, and there's a bunch of other sheaves, And they represent his brothers and his fathers. And the other sheaves come, and they bow down to his sheath. And, of course, it took many years for that to, to be fulfilled, and we'll talk about that in a moment. But here's what I think is very interesting. When God gave him his dream, it had to do with harvest time. And I believe this. Every dream that God gives is connected to the end-time harvest. It's connected to the end-time end time harvest, kingdom of God. So you say, but I want to be a business person. Yeah, but you want to be a business person that shows the light of God, that shows how a Christian runs a business. You say, but I want to be a professional athlete. Yeah, but you're gonna use that, that platform that you have to influence people for the kingdom of God. You say, Yeah, but I want to make a lot of money. Good. We need people to make a lot of money so that you can be a blessing, so you can finance the kingdom of God. You see. God doesn't just want you to have a nice house and a boat and a car and a vacation. How I many know God's concerned with more than that? Right? God's concerned with the kingdom of God. All right. And every time God gives us a dream, in some way that dream is going to be connected to the kingdom. Right? It's in Matthew, excuse me, in Luke chapter 18, that Jesus gives us some instruction about prayer. And he, he tells us this, and he tells us we need to pray and not lose heart or never give up, all right? This is the parable he tells. He says, there was in a certain city a judge who didn't fear God or regard man. And there was a widow in that city, and she came to him saying, get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, though I don't fear God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, at least by her continual coming, she wear me out. Then the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge said. And shall not God, avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him though he bear long with them i tell you he will avenge them speedily nevertheless when the son of man comes will he really find faith on the earth here's what jesus is saying he's saying keep praying keep praying keep praying keep praying keep praying keep praying and keep praying and keep believing in fact he said he said when i come will i find faith on the earth what's he talking about he's talking about people that will persevere in prayer People that will fight the fight. Right? It's, in, it's in Ephesians 6. The Bible says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Now, unfortunately, that's all of the verse that most Christians read. We don't wrestle. They say, that's good. I'll take Doritos, Dr. Pepper. Uh, I'll, I'll take the remote and a sofa. And sit down and do nothing. But the Bible isn't saying to sit back and do nothing. It's telling us we do wrestle. There is a fight. But it's not against people. It's not against flesh and blood contending only with physical opponents, but against despotisms, against the powers, against the master spirits who are the world rulers of this present darkness, and against the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly supernatural fear. It's It's telling us that there is a battle, but it is a spiritual battle. Your enemy is never a person. Your enemy is Satan and demon power. Now, our problem is that we are not committed to the long haul. Uh, we, we're in, you know, the Bible says that, that we're in the race, but we seem to think it's a sprint, right? It's just a short thing. No, it, it's, it's a marathon, and you need to keep believing, keep believing, keep believing. Now, the Bible gives us the example of Elijah. He has, he has prophesied a drought that took three and a half years. He took the 450 prophets of Baal up on Mount Carmel. They built an altar, put a sacrifice on it. They prayed, nothing happened. He built an altar, put a sacrifice on it, prayed, and fire fell from heaven. But there's been no rain for three and a half years. And the economy is destroyed. And they need rain. So he goes up on the mountain and he begins to pray. He went to the top of Mount Carmel. He bowed down on the ground and he put his face between his knees. And he said to his servant go up now and look towards the sea. So he went and looked and he said, there is nothing. And seven times he said, go again. Then it came to pass on the seventh time that he said, there is a small cloud, small as a man's hand rising out of the sea. And he said, go up and say to Ahab, prepare your chariot, go down before the rain stops you. Now it happened in the meantime that the sky became black with clouds and wind. There was a heavy rain and Ahab rode away and went to Jezreel. Here's what happened. The prophet didn't give up. He kept praying. He kept praying. He kept praying and he kept praying. Whether it takes seven hours, seven days, seven months, seven years, or 77 years, keep on praying. Jesus said, do not give up. Keep believing God. Keep praying. Now in Proverbs 29, it says, where there is no vision, there's no dream. There's no destiny in your heart. The people cast off restraint. That's what it means. It, it means if you don't know where you're going, anything looks good. You probably saw the, the cartoon where Charlie Brown takes his bow and he shoots it. Wing! Hits, hits a fence, wood fence. He goes over where the arrow landed, paints a bullseye right around it. Right? That is exactly what most people do. Well, that's where I was going. That's where I'm at. Must be where I'm going. All right? But where you don't have that vision, that dream, that destiny in your heart, anything looks good, right? How, How many of you realize that you could go to the mall and spend your whole check every single week if you don't have a vision for where your finances are going, right? Then you just cast off restraint and everything looks good. Well, the same is true when it comes to a vision. That vision will energize you, that vision limits your options of where you're going to go and what you're going to do. It eliminates other activities, and you focus on where you're going. Now, remember this, vision leaks. It is delicate in the beginning, right? and it has to be reinforced. Nehemiah comes to the city of Jerusalem, and the dream, the vision, the destiny is rebuild the wall. He surveys, he gets the people together, he casts the vision, shows how God has been moving, how the king said he's gonna pay for it, and he gets the people to begin building that wall. It took him 52 days to build, but the Bible says when it got halfway, the people became discouraged because there was debris and there was rubbish. Listen. Every time you go to accomplish something, as you get moving, there's debris, there's rubbish, there's obstacles, there's problems that get in the way. And the tendency is to get discouraged. And they got discouraged, and they're quitting. And what he had to do was he had to go out and he had to recast that vision because they were discouraged because of all of the rubbish and the, the, the problems that they were facing. So remember, you're in that torch race. You've got to keep that torch lit. All right? You can't go so fast your torch goes out. And you got to get someplace to get that thing refueled, all right? Worshiping God, get in church, get around people that are going to help you, but keep that thing alive. God said to Habakkuk, he said, Write the vision, make it plain on tablets, that he may run who reads it, for the vision is yet for the appointed time. But at the end it will speak, it will not lie, though it tarry. Wait for it, because it will surely come, it will not tarry. God says, Wait for it. We think the vision's going to take just a little while, three months maybe three years, but we tend to overestimate what's going to happen in the short period of time and underestimate what God's going to do over a long period of time. Remember, David's 14 or 15 and he's anointed to be king, but he doesn't become king of Judah until he's 30 and king of all of Israel until he's 37 and a half. 22 years pass. Joseph is 17 and has a dream, but that dream was not fulfilled until he was 39 years old when his brothers came. And knelt down in front of him. 22 years. You know, I I had a dream of a great church. You see, somebody said, do you believe it ever happened? I just thought it happened a whole lot faster. Because we tend to overestimate what we can do in a short period of time. And underestimate what God can do in a great amount of time. Now, I want you to listen because this is very important. Joseph had a dream. And it looked like it wasn't going to come to pass. And he's in prison. And Pharaoh has a dream, and Pharaoh hears that Joseph can interpret dreams, and he brings Joseph. Joseph tells him, your dream is that there's going to be seven years of famine, seven years of plenty. So what you need to do is during that seven years of plenty, he says, you need to take excess, take 20% of everything and store it, and then there will be food for the years of famine that are going to come. And the king said, well, you're wise. God showed you what's going to happen. We're going to make you in charge of everything. Now, look, his dream came to pass when he was working on Pharaoh's dream. You got that? You see, dreams tend to be intertwined. And your dream will probably not come to pass with just you. Great things always take a lot of people working together. Right? And when your dream will come to pass with when you're working, you're working with others and their dream is coming to pass as your dream is coming to pass. And your vision, your dream, is your future. That's your future. When Jeannie and I came back from Mexico, it be 32 years ago now, uh, a, a pastor here and his, his wife here in Grand Rapids said, hey, please come and preach for us. And we, we ended up, we, we tried to get out of it, but they said, no, just come. So we went and preached for them on Wednesday night. And everywhere in the world, you preach and then you eat. India. Africa, South America, Europe, every place. It's the same. So we preach. They say, let's go to eat. We said, okay. So we're sitting down, Jeannie and I, pastor and his wife at this restaurant. And she said, what type of a church do you want to pastor? And I said, we are going to pastor a church of thousands of people. I said, we're going to impact not just our city, but we're going to have impact around the world. We're going to have thousands of people. And she said, oh, I would never want that. She said, I want to know everybody's name in the church. I want 30, 40, 50 people max. All right? I want to know everybody's name. She says. and on Sunday morning, I want to be in the front row. She says, I want to have a cup of coffee in one hand. And my other hand up to the Lord. Hallelujah, Jehovah Java. Here we go. Praise the Lord. All right? I remember thinking back 25 years later, Sunday morning came, 45 people in their church. She's got Starbucks in one hand, other hand lifted, praising the Lord. She's happy, 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 right? And we had thousands and thousands and thousands of people. Your vision is your future. But God puts that dream in your heart. He put it in Joseph's heart. He He put a dream in David's heart. He puts a dream in your heart. The Bible says he gives you the desires of your heart. In the New Testament, it says God himself is at work in you, inspiring you to want what pleases him. He puts that dream, that vision, that destiny inside your heart. And it won't come to pass in a week or a month. But it will come to pass. And and, and the Bible says write it down. Get specific. You know, nothing becomes dynamic until it's specific. If I say to Jeannie, we're going to take a vacation, she'll go, oh, but if I say to Jeannie, we're going on an Alaskan cruise, and we're going we're gonna to go to Homer, Alaska, the, the, the world's capital for helibut, and we're going to catch some big helibut, and we're going to go whale watching, and we're going to walk up a glacier. She's packing. She pack, all of a sudden, it changed. You say, why? It got specific. All right? And in that dream, pray. Write it down. All right, see yourself there. See the benefit, what it's going to do to bless you, what it's going to do to bless others, what it's going to do to bless the kingdom of God. Let me just close with a little illustration. I have wanted to shoot a bear forever, right? And I hope you, you are not going to be offended, but we like to harvest and eat. You know, my, one of my favorite Bible verses, by the way, is in Genesis, where the patriarch says to his son, He says, take your bow and arrow and go in the field and get some venison. It's in the Bible. All right? But I wanted to harvest a bear, you know? So, so I started talking to some guys who'd been bear hunting, uh, Mike Rose, and, and he's telling me all his bear stories. He's up in the tree and the bear's coming. He had to take a, a, a chair and whack him on the head, and I thought, I better talk to somebody else. So I'm, so I'm talking to all the people I know that are bear hunting. I got a bear hunting book. I got bear hunting videos, and I'm watching everything. All right, I get the camo. I got the new bow. I got the special broadheads. I got the right arrows. I shot, that, I shot thousands and thousands and thousands of arrows. I'm practicing, and I'm practicing, and I'm practicing. And finally, you know, we get the ticket, and we're going on the bear hunt. You know, we, 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 we've got everything that we need, and we get there. All right, and it's a, it's a six-day hunt, all right? I'm sitting in the tree eight hours a day, and there's no bears. I mean, I remember one guy in our, one guy in our, in our group, he saw 25 bears the first day. I'm sitting there for three days. I've seen no bears, zero. And then finally this sick little squarony bear shows up, you know? And I even knew he was a sick little scrawny bear, and I'm like, I ain't doing it. You get out of here, you know? And then the next day, there's no bears, all right? And I've got Joe Tucker sitting in the tree next to me. He's got a camera. you know. And Joe, he's kind of freaking out. Because if you know Joe, Joe's in the Coast Guard and he's been involved in law enforcement. And Joe is not clothed unless he has two guns on him. All right? And we're in Canada and they won't let you have a gun. Right? You can't have a pistol. All right? So all he's got is a camera. And he said, what are we going to do if a bear comes? I said, uh, well... I just need to outrun you. We'll, we'll figure this out. <laughs> I did tell him that. He's like, ah. Okay. So, so it's the second to the last day. We've been sitting here for eight hours. There has been nothing. But you know, those of you who've been to Canada, they got these black flies. They are demon possessed. They come in by the thousands, you know. And we got the, 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 the thing over our, our heads so we don't have flies biting us all the time. And it's just about dark and crack. But here's something. And, and I look over at Joe and I'm like, in fact, Joe took a little video. Let'll show you here. Here he is. My friend. Now, listen. It didn't just happen. It didn't just happen. It started as an idea, a desire that we worked at, followed through, learned, and it's just a microcosm of what happens with our visions. Just like David's, just like Joseph's, God puts a vision, a dream, a destiny inside of our hearts. And we follow it. We follow it. God told the children of Israel, he said, I've given you the promised land. But listen, they didn't go in. They wouldn't fight. They wouldn't believe God. And they went and lived in a desert for 40 years when God had a land flowing with milk and honey. And by the way, milk and honey, it represents abundance and victory. God has abundance and sweet victory for you. And if you don't know what God's plan, what God's purpose, what God's destiny is for you, if you will ask him, he will show you. He will give you the desires of your heart. Would you bow your heads for just a moment? You know, reading your Bible, you know that God sits on high. But God watches low and he knows every problem every difficulty every situation every addiction every hurt every bit of sorrow and rejection and pain that you have ever faced or are facing today the bible says that he is touched by the feelings of our infirmities the things that are happening in our life they touch God's heart so Jesus said come to me all you who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. He has forgiveness. He has freedom. The Bible says he has help for every need, healing for your soul, freedom from addictions, hope for your future. Jesus said, I've come that you may have life and that you can have it abundantly. And if you're away from God or you're not right with God, and you say today, I want to come back. I want to get right with God. In just a moment, I'm going to count to three. And when I say three, Would you please lift your hand? We're going to pray together. God's going to meet you right here in this place. And when you leave, you're going to leave right with God, forgiven on your way to heaven. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. All of my efforts can't make me right with God. All of your efforts cannot make you right with God. Jesus said there's one way, and that's through him. And as you lift your hand today, the first thing that you're saying is you're saying, God, I know I need a Savior, and I'm coming to Jesus today to be saved and to be forgiven. One, you lift your hand. You're saying, God, I am not going to let the devil steal, kill, and destroy in my life one more day. I'm coming to Jesus today to receive the abundant life that he has for me. Two, now get ready. As you lift your hand, you're saying, God, today, I'm going to receive Jesus into my heart by faith. He's going to come into my heart. He's going to blood wash me from my sin. Make me a new person on the inside, a part of your family on my way to heaven. Three, lift your hand up. Say, pray with me. Pray with me. I'm not right, but I want to get right. Thank you. I see that hand. I see that hand and that hand and that hand and another. Other others include me. Thank you. God bless you. Up in the balcony. Thank you. God bless 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 you. Another hand back here. Thank you. All right. Would everybody please stand? Now, if you lifted your hand, please look right at me. I want you to grab whatever you came with, the person you came with, and I want you to move to the aisle that's nearest you to come right here. God is going to meet us right here. We're going to pray right here. When we say amen in just a moment, your past, it's going to be gone. You're going to be right with God. You're going to be on your way to heaven. This is your day. And from the balcony, if you will make your way down, we'll wait for you. Come on down. This is your day. God bless you. Back here, come on down. Over here, over there. Another hand back here. Come on down. Again, from the balcony, if you'll make your way, we're going to wait for you. We're going to pray. God's going to meet you right here. Right here. Now, Romans 10, verse 13. It says, whosoever, that means you. This is gonna work for every single one of you. You are that whosoever. The devil says, this ain't gonna work for you, but he's a liar. He's a liar. Don't let him steal from you. This is gonna work. We'll call on the name of the Lord. Now we're gonna call on his name the way the Bible shows us to. And then we're gonna say amen. And when we say amen, your past is gonna be gone. You are gonna be right with God. You're gonna be on your way to heaven. All right. Are you ready? Hold it. They're making it from the balcony. Give them a hand. Awesome. Awesome. Glad that you made it from the balcony. Glad that you're making it down. Okay. And everybody wants you to make these words your own. All right. More from the balcony. Awesome. Thank you for coming. All right. If you will confess with your mouth, Jesus is your Lord, we're going to do that, and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. When we say amen, you're going to be forgiven. You're going to be right. All right. Everybody, please take one hand and place it over your heart. Lift your other hand towards heaven. You're going to pre- repeat this out loud, but make these words your own. Just say, oh, God. I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins. I believe he rose again. And I receive him today as my Savior and my Lord. I thank you. You've heard my prayer. That I'm forgiven. That my past is gone. That your blood washed me from my sin. That you make me a new person on the inside, a part of your family, today and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Now, this is so important. We want to get your name so we can pray for you every day for the next month. And we're going to give you some literature that's going to help you. We're going to take just a moment of your time. Can you give them a hand as they're going right there? man? Thank you for listening to this series. For more information, call 616-534-4923 or visit us at reslife.org.